Hello, hello. Welcome back to Almost 30 Podcast. And if you're new, welcome. Welcome to Almost 30. I always wonder how many times we say welcome. <laughs> I know. But I'm hey, like, welcome. Hey, yeah. just so you know, we're almost 30. Yeah, just, <laughs> hey, just so you know, if you click and they're like, fuck, got to add. They're like clicking out. They're like, oh shit. Um, we started this podcast when we were about to be 30. Lindsay mm-hmm. and I are over the hill now. So you don't have to be any age. It was really just started as um, this transition period where we yeah. were going through like an awakening and we felt like there was parts of our life that we wanted to learn more about and explore. So Lindsay and I started the podcast with like a deep, genuine curiosity to really figure out who we are and find ways to support ourselves in our evolution. Yeah, the process has been yeah, non-linear and it's been just really cool. I don't know about you all out there, but I never felt like I could or would like heal and learn in community. Mm-hmm. You know, that idea was kind of like foreign to me. I'm like, oh, I got to do it by myself and then present as like perfect and healed. Mm-hmm. And so it's been actually really cool on the show to just like be ourselves go through it mm-hmm. and share in real time and obviously talk to people like Mel Robbins who we have on today to just kind of help us navigate these like very real human moments. And what I love about Mel is just like the incredible highs and lows that she's been through. And like, she's just very brutally honest about about those and um, continues to be, but is really simplifying a lot of these like... I think we approach self-development. We're like, okay, we got to do all these things in order to be, to grow and to heal. And she simplified it in a way and backed it with a lot of science in a way that I think I'm taking to and thinking a lot about and implementing right away Mm -hmm. rather than kind of avoiding it and eventually doing it. It's like, oh no, okay, I can do this today and it's free. (laughs) And it really just takes practice. Yep, she's amazing. I mean, she's a speaker. She is an author. She is someone that does courses, audios, downloadables. She's really just a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, it was really inspiring. I found a lot of the information that we talked about to be exactly what you said, very simple but applicable. And to hear her story was like really powerful. Yeah. I mean, she, and she'll she'll talk about it in the episode, but basically her and her husband lost everything back in 2008, the financial crisis and all of his restaurants went under. They had put everything into the business mm-hmm. to try and make it successful and just lost everything they had. They were $800,000 in debt. And yeah, just going through a literal crisis, but also just kind of like mentally, emotionally within her relationship. And so it's really it, it was really interesting to track kind of where she started from, from there to where she is now. Mm-hmm. She struggled with depression and anxiety. And it is like... Wow, I could not. I mean, and then she did her TED Talk, which really kind of changed everything. Mm -hmm. And there was a part in her TED Talk, which was the premise of her first book that really changed her life and really took her to the place where she is now. And I really do find her to be incredibly refreshing. The authenticity is there. The truth is there. And there really is like a special... There's a specialness of someone saying what they're feeling and exactly what's true. And I think in the space of self-development and like teachers and people that are as big as her, sometimes you feel like there could be a guardrail around there. You feel like it's not always 
it's more polished. I mm-hmm. guess there's like a more mm-hmm. polished, not that she, she's super polished, but you feel like they're going to get like a fluff answer. Yes. And there was always the truth. And her book now, The High Five Habit, that is coming out on the 28th, is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And the concept is actually very simple. And she talks about it, you know, even she says it's like super corny, but it really is about having the courage to high five yourself every morning in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So you really would approach yourself in the mirror, have a mirror moment, and high five yourself. And in this episode, we talk talk about the science behind that. And I think it's really important when we think about some of the most impactful practices or tools that we have available to us are often free Mm -hmm. and we overlook them because they are free. So that's, you know, sunlight, that is meditation, that is quiet time, that is a hug, that is the high five habit. And some of these are the most impactful things that we could do. And because we associate high fives with positive um, emotions in our brain as giving a hug, as raising the roof, as high-fiving someone else, Mm -hmm. we can associate these mental emotions and feelings with seeing ourselves. So you can feel the emotion of happiness, excitement, joy, positivity when you're high-fiving someone else. And you can also feel that when you're high-fiving yourself in the mirror. So we go into that process and really how she came to that process. And then we also talked a lot about jealousy. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. We... We we I, th- I believe we brought up jealousy and she's like I'm jealous uh-huh, you know <laughs> she's like I see my friends like new new renovated kitchen and I'm jealous uh-huh. yeah we just talk about kind of the message of jealousy like how we can kind of decipher or um, yeah really like work with that jealousy like what did it what is it trying to tell us rather than just having it kind of like overwhelm us and be the thing that's like directing us as we navigate things it's really like huh okay so is that showing me that it's possible and am i just focusing on the fact that i'm not there yet what about where i am now is indicating that i'm i'm there you know it's just kind of a matter of you know things aligning and so yeah i really i liked that that re that yes. reframe and just for someone to be honest that's yeah. someone that's so successful is like yeah i also experienced jealousy and mel is just like a wealth of information and inspiration in a real way that feels applicable to your life and feels like someone that actually has learned these tools from a true place mm-hmm. so it's not regurgitated tools that they've heard from someone else it's actually an integrated tool that they're applying to other people so i think you all will really love this episode for mel Rob- fans. Welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. I think Mel's such a great fit for us. And I think this episode really, really showcases like the synergy that we have with her and her brand. Yeah, truly. And her new book, The High Five Habit, as we said, is out on September 28th. So in just a few days. So make sure you grab it everywhere books are sold. And before we get into this episode, just for our podcasters out there, if you have launched your dream podcast and you've been consistent and you're just loving this medium and you're ready to grow and monetize your show, we got to. We are so excited. Every year, we do an accelerator, a small group intensive program to help you grow and monetize your business. So Mm -hmm. really excited. I'm really excited. We take you guys through um, different modules that really supported Lindsay and I in building almost 30 from the ground up. We didn't have a following. We didn't have any of the tools or resources to build almost 30 into what it is today, where it's a podcast that six years later supports us, supports our team, um, allows us to be ourselves and make money. So we put all of our love and time and attention into this accelerator. And it's really to support you in the growth and monetization of your 
show so that you can make it sustainable. Yes, yes. So you can sign up now. Space is limited. So learn more when you go to almost30.com. There will be a little pop-up so you can easily uh, click to find out more about the Almost 30 Accelerator. Yeah, we'll see you in there. And please enjoy this episode with Mel Robbins. Her book is out soon. It's on the 28th. It is the High Five Habit. And we will be doing the High Five Challenge Mm -hmm. as a community. So you're able to do the High Five Challenge together. And that really is encouraging you to do the high five in the mirror for five days in a row. I've actually started doing it this week and it is fun. There's like a joy that you bring to yourself. So we will be doing this awesome, awesome challenge together. And you can also get her book again on the 28th. So thank you so much, Mel. Mel Robbins on Instagram, melrobbins.com. We really, really appreciate you coming on the show. We'll see you guys on the other side. Major announcement from Almost 30. We are hosting... Basecamp on January 28th. This is our favorite event of the year. Camp Almost 30 has gotten a little bit of a rebrand because we were feeling like, I think we're ready to really go there (laughs) with our community. So we are welcoming guests who we feel have really taken us to a whole other planet in our interviews and in our conversations with them. So guests like Brie Melanson, she is going to be doing a workshop on psychic development, find and tap into your gifts. She is a teacher and channel and one who has really been such a support and teacher for Krista and I throughout the years. We are welcoming Jordan Younger. So she is going to help us find our galactic Origins. She is the podcast host of the Balanced Blonde podcast. She's an author. She's a spiritual teacher. We're also welcoming Lee Harris, who recently was on the podcast in a two-part episode, and he is going to channel the Z's live for us. How special. He does not do this often, so we feel very, very, very lucky. And we will also be welcoming Sandra Walter. So she is going to be teaching on Ascension 101, the crystalline grid and higher realm support. She is so special. She's a light worker and teacher and has been on the podcast. And Kristen and I are going to be sharing a very, very, very special experience, heavenly coated Reiki infused sound bath. And I'm excited for you all to join us. So this is happening on January 28th from 10 to 2 p.m. PST. Make sure you sign up. Space is limited, but it's absolutely free. Absolutely free. We're excited to welcome you. And this is the kickoff to membership opening. So membership is going to be open indefinitely now. So you can join membership for six months at a time and really, really focus uh, and support your growth. It is our favorite place to just come and be ourselves and really get super intimate with you all, more intimate than on the podcast. So I'm excited for you all to join the membership, but head to almost30.com slash space dash camp. That's almost30.com slash space dash camp, space dash camp. (laughs) Say that 30 times. Almost30.com slash space dash camp to sign up for camp. Absolutely free. We will see you on January 28th. I think that's why so many women feel so anxious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is because you are managing a persona. You are so busy managing how you're supposed to show up, who you're supposed to be, what to say, what text to write, that inside the distance between who you really are 
and this yeah. persona that you're showing up as to try to please everybody else, that's where the anxiety creeps in. Because how the how can you possibly remember what you said or did or who you're trying to be if you're not just being yourself? Mm-hmm. So when somebody says to me, like they say to you, oh my, I love how vulnerable you are. I love how authentic you are. And I think, dude, that is the secret. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I was saying that too you to her. I was this. like, because I had that realization too where I had so much more energy and I had so much more ability to do so many different things when I was being myself. Like I was in the corporate world for a long time and I was spending 40 hours plus a week not being myself, not being who I wanted to be. And like the amount of energy and time that I had to exert putting on this persona in this face and how much was freed up where people be like, I can't believe you have so much energy to do all these things. I'm like, I didn't when I was faking who I had Mm -hmm. to be for so long. And I feel like that's a huge common theme for people. But I think there is part of it that's innate. You know, there's part of it that's, is there innate authenticity and vulnerability that you have to have growing up? But how do you help people almost create that in themselves so that they can have less of a lag between these personas? It's an absolutely phenomenal question. And it's a very simple answer. When you wake up in the morning and you think about the day ahead, do you want to high five it or do you want to pull the covers back over your head? We are designed as human beings, and you talk a lot about this Mm -hmm. in your work on this show, to be energetically aligned with what is meant for us. And the best directional signal on the planet, if you feel lost, is to pay attention to the aspects of your life, the people in your life, the things that you're doing and that you're spending time on that make you feel energized. Mm. And energized is nothing more than feeling expansive, feeling full of possibility. You could be scared shitless that you're about to do it. Mm -hmm. But there's something about the person that you're with or the thing that you're doing that feels like growth. When you are in a relationship or in a job or living in an apartment or uh, in a friend group or pursuing a type of work that makes you feel like you're shrinking or that makes you feel mm-hmm. suffocated or that makes you feel depleted, mm-hmm. that is not your natural energy state. Mm-hmm. And so your energy and the negative mental state and the depleted feeling that you feel, that's not how you're wired to live. And your physical being is screaming at you to get the fuck out of that job or that relationship to wake up and to make a change happen. And so I, and that doesn't mean, by the way, that every day is great. Mm -hmm. It just means that it feels like you can be you. And that means everything that you are and everything that you're not. Mm -hmm. Pursuing Mm -hmm. the friend group or the romantic relationship or the eating uh, kind of style that you want. Like if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us have like lost touch with the feeling. Yes. People are like, what is the feeling? And then the self-doubt starts to creep in and the mm-hmm. judgment and the, well, they probably know better than I do that outsourcing of our intuition. Like how do you, how do you have people like practice that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for opening the door. I'm going to walk right in <laughs> and we're going to talk about this cheesy ass thing. I love it. <laughs> I invented uh, during a crazy low moment in my life and I call it the high five habit. And the high five habit, it begins with one habit. 
but it is a series of small things that you can do every single day to locate your power back within yourself. Because you're right, we have outsourced our self-worth. Mm-hmm. We look outside of ourselves for validation. We uh, look at the number on the scale, the amount of money in the bank, the car that we drive, the person that we're dating, the friend group that we have, the amount of likes, the amount of views, all of that external shit is never going to make you feel worthy. The only person that can build your self-worth is you. There's a reason why that word begins with self. Mm -hmm. It begins within yourself. And so I'm going to tell you the story about how I stumbled upon this thing. And my brand of uh, personal development, improving your life, falls into a particular category. First, I have to fuck up my life. Then I have to save myself. Then I stumble upon something that sounds ridiculously stupid on its face. And when it starts to work and I'm dumbfounded by how this dumb thing is actually working, I then start to unpack the research. And so whether we're talking about something I created over a decade ago called the five-second rule, or we're talking about the high-five habit, brace yourself. Because when you first hear this, you're going to think, this is the corniest thing I have ever (laughs) heard. Now, I'm going to just say something that might sound obnoxious. I make millions of dollars. I am wildly successful. I have been married for 25 years. I have three kids who are awesome and irritating. I have uh, lived with anxiety for 25 years. I've healed and continue to work on healing my trauma. And I will stand firm in telling you The high five habit is the single most powerful thing I've ever discovered. Mm. So here's what happened. About a year ago, I found myself in a moment where I felt like life was punching me in the face. The first thing that happened is, you know, it was March. Uh, I mean, I think we all forget what fucking year we're in at this point. (laughs) And uh, they found COVID at the CBS Broadcast Center. And at the time, I was uh, in my dream job. I was hosting a daytime syndicated talk show with Sony Pictures Television. We were wrapping up season one. We had like seven more episodes of the 175 that we were taping. I loved this job. And we got five minutes notice. They canceled the show. Didn't have a chance to say goodbye to the 130 people. I'm like, what just happened? I get in my car, I'm driving back home to Boston, I'm seeing the New York City skyline disappear. The phone calls start coming in and our daughters who were in college at the time are now freaking out because they're closing down USC and she's got to pack and get home. And like everybody remembers that moment Mm -hmm. when the quarantine and the pandemic shut your life down or turned it upside down or you lost somebody you love. Maybe it was that you couldn't go to the nursing home to see your grandmother. Maybe you got that email from the office saying you can't come in. There was something, some moment that had happened. And so from there, once we got home, uh, it was my husband and I and our three kids, my business went into a freefall. Every single speech that I had for more than a year gets canceled. My publisher calls me and says, that book that you haven't delivered. We're going to cancel the contract and the advance that we've given you that you've already spent. We need it back. And what happened is I started to get really triggered because when life turns upside down, your old shit will come up. Mm-hmm. And my old shit includes just a, just 10 years ago being nearly a million dollars in debt and facing that financial crisis 
like a lot of high-functioning adults do, which is drinking myself into the ground and blaming everything on my husband. That was the moment that I invented the five-second rule to help me get out of bed because the anxiety was so profound. It was pinning me mm. to that bed like a gravity blanket every morning. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother story. So I'm starting to have flashbacks like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm -hmm. I have clawed my way out of that. I have been come a success over the last 10 years. I've paid down all that debt. We're saving money. I'm super successful. And this shit is happening again. So I start to spiral. I'm worried about everybody, just like everybody was. What's going to happen to my grandparents? What's happening to my parents? When am I going to see my friends again? What about the frontline workers? Like it was just a free fall. And so one morning I wake up, I make my bed, I walk into the bathroom, and I see my reflection as I'm brushing my teeth. And I think, God, you look like hell. <laughs> you know, like the gray hair is coming in and I've got these dark circles under my eyes and my neck is all saggy and my, my jowls are looking like saddlebags on a pack mule, you know, going down the Grand Canyon. I, one boob is hanging lower than the other. And I've even at this point had my breast implants out. Like, I'm just like, what the? F and once you have a negative thought or the self-criticism mm. starts, it's sort of like lint in a dryer. 100%. As it starts yeah. to gather, it collects more. Yeah. And so then mm -hmm. I start thinking start about the You start to get more creative I, with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'm like, yes, <laughs> the story. I'm like, oh my God, why'd I get up so late? I've got a Zoom call in eight minutes. I look like shit. I don't even have a bra on yet. The dog's at my feet. And he needs to be walked. Mm -hmm. I didn't respond to their texts. Like, I'm just doing the beat down. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Most of us don't realize that's your morning routine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We talk a big game about have a great morning routine. But the truth is your morning routine right now either involves ignoring yourself in the mirror or criticizing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what came over me. In that moment standing there, literally in my underwear, I, I, I just felt like the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm one of the most book motivational speakers in the world. I couldn't think of a damn thing to say to myself. Now, if either of you had walked in to my bathroom that morning, I would have been able to, to lift you up. Mm -hmm. I would have been able to tell you what to do. But when it came to supporting and encouraging myself, I had nothing. And for whatever reason, as pathetic and as corny as it sounds, standing there in that very low moment, I just raised my hand and I high-fived my reflection. Now, it didn't change my life, but something inside me shifted. I felt my shoulders drop. I felt my chin lift up. I sort of silently felt myself say, it's okay. You got this. Mm -hmm. You can do this. And I left the bathroom. Now, the second morning, this is when like things started to go, hmm. I got up. I made my bed. I started walking to the bathroom. And then this is what I noticed that's really weird. I started to feel excited to see myself. Mm. And it's sort of like, you know, as I was riding the elevator up here to meet you two for the first time, I felt this like enthusiasm and this excitement because I really admire you two and I love, you know, what you're doing out in the world. I felt that same sense of like, I'm going to see a friend. Mm. Now I'm going to be 53 years old this year. I think for the first 45 years of my life, I've either criticized the woman I see in the mirror or I've ignored her. 
I don't ever remember looking forward to seeing myself. Maybe seeing an outfit or seeing what my makeup looked like, Mm -hmm. but never actually seeing me, the human being. And I stood there in front of the mirror and I thought about like what was going on in my life and I thought about how I was going to show up and I raised my hand in the mirror again. Now, here's the interesting thing that you're going to notice when you start doing this. It is impossible to criticize yourself when you raise your hand and high five yourself. And there's a lot of research that explains why. And this is the first piece of research that I'll, I'll lay on you because it's unbelievable. Basically, you know, you and I, we've, we've been high-fiving people our entire lives. So when you give somebody or you receive a high-five, what does it communicate to you? Yeah, I believe you. I love you. I got you. I see you. If somebody's attitude's going down and you hit them with a high-five, it's like, all right, shake it off. Mm-hmm. Get back in there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got your back. Mm. All of that positive programming associated with that gesture is already encoded in your basal ganglia, the Mm -hmm. subconscious part of your brain. When you raise your own hand physically, the subconscious part of your brain recognizes the high five. It automatically turns on all that positive messaging Mm -hmm. and marries it with your own reflection. Wow. It's a field of study called neurobics. Now, I didn't make that up. It's like aerobic physical activity with neuropathway development. And neurobics, marrying an unexpected physical action with a change in thought is the fastest way to develop new neural pathways. Mm. So by high-fiving your reflection, you are shutting up the critic, you are interrupting all of the default programming that you've had for your entire life, and you are leveraging the lifetime positive programming of belief, enthusiasm, support, and celebration. And that's just the fucking beginning. I just spoke to Dr. Daniel Amen, one of the world's leading experts on the brain. The dude has literally scanned 65,000 brains. He has treated Mike Tyson, Miley Cyrus, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So I was talking to him about this high five habit. He like geeked out in the way that scientists do. He's like, okay, Mel, let me tell you what else is going on. You want to know what else is going on? You want to know why when you start to do this as a habit, you start to feel a little jolt of energy? You want to know why your mood boosts a little bit when you can get over how weird it is? I'm like, yeah, Dr. Amen, lay it on me. So here's the thing. Like, what do you do when you cross a finish line in a race? You raise your hands. What do you do when you see somebody? You raise your hands and say hi. What do you do when you hug somebody? You raise your hands. What do you do when you... You pat somebody on the back, you raise their hands. What do you do when somebody, you do the double high five, you raise your hands. When your favorite band comes out, you raise your hands. When somebody uh, blows out the candles on a birthday, we all raise our hands. Raising your hands is remembered in your nervous system as a celebratory activity. And so when you do it with yourself, your nervous system starts to switch off from the sympathetic fight or flight into the calmer, more celebratory, cool, Mm, sympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. or parasympathetic. Parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, you get a drip of dopamine. Mm. That's why your mood boosts. That's why you feel more focused. That is why some of the science says this works. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, of course, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of that at all when I first started to use it. And, you know, I just used it in secret for the first couple weeks. And then I posted 
a photo online. And within an hour, 100 people had posted photos of themselves, high-fiving themselves, and tagged me. And I thought, all right, maybe there's something here. Maybe this isn't so fucking cheesy. Maybe science can explain why taking this simple ritual and doing it right after you brush your teeth is possibly the single best thing that you could do for self-love, for self-confidence, for self-worth, for investing and strengthening the relationship you have with yourself. Mm. I just got a text from my mom earlier saying that she just ordered Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic. It is the real deal and I'm so excited for her to try it. I have had gut issues in the past and it's been so important for my overall health, my immune system, my mental health to make sure that my gut microbiome is just optimally healthy. And seed is the only probiotic that has really worked. And I was like, why, why, why does this really work? So a couple reasons. This is a two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic. It's a proprietary formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains in scientifically studied dosages and proprietary engineered two-in-one capsule that protects probiotics through digestion to ensure delivery to the colon. So that is why, that is why it works, finally works. If you've taken a probiotic before like me and never felt the difference like me, it's likely because the good bacteria wasn't surviving your GI tract. Seed is designed differently and that's why it works. So the benefits go well beyond the gut Seed will support ease of bloating, healthy regularity, and ease of evacuation, you know, the poop poop. But if it will also support your gut barrier, skin health, heart health, and micronutrient synthesis. So it's really, it just packs a punch with benefits. I'm obsessed. So start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com slash almost 30 and use code almost 30 to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 daily symbiotic. That's S-E-E-D dot com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30. You're going to get 20% off your first month of seeds. D-S-O-1 daily symbiotic. I don't know if it's because life is so hard that we expect everything to be hard, but there is something about that practice. And then even too with people, you know, even if we're talking about health and wellness and we were like, you know, all you've got to do is get eight hours of sleep, drink a lot of water, eat really well. It's like too, you know, it's almost too easy. Mm -hmm. I think about that with meditation. It's like, it can be hard to kind of calm the mind, but a lot of the biggest solutions in life are actually very easy. Mm -hmm. It's like, say sorry, show up, get sleep, drink water, all these things. But when you provide that solution for people, they don't want to, it's too simple. You know, so we always need more of these explanations. It needs to be more complicated. I don't know if that's something where we're so used to things being hard or we want it to be hard, but there is a part of us that tends to complicate things where they don't need to. So when we hear a solution like that, we're like, that's corny. That's yeah. cheesy. Yeah. You know. Well, and also let me unpack yeah. the resistance. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you first stand, I tell people, you have to do this for five days. Mm-hmm. You have to try it for five days because... of people who try this will stand in front of the mirror and you are going to feel this major resistance to doing it. Mm. And I'm going to tell you why, because the resistance is really sad. And this resistance to high-fiving yourself is the exact same resistance that stands between you 
and absolutely everything that you want in your life. Mm -hmm. So when you stand before yourself in the mirror, what you bring with you is all of the judgment and regrets and shame and trauma and abuse and the stories that you have about who you are and what's happened to you. And most of us do not see a person who is worthy of celebration. The resistance comes from a deep-seated belief that because of what's happened to you, you do not deserve to be celebrated because of the mistakes that you've made, because of the regrets that you have. You do not deserve it. And I'm here to tell you, I'm on a mission to make every man, woman, child, everybody on the planet to understand that if you can wake up and drag your ass into that bathroom and look yourself in the eye and you are still breathing and you're still trying to do a little better today, you not only deserve to be seen, supported, and celebrated, you need it. Withholding that from yourself is exactly why you're not feeling motivated and encouraged. You're waiting for your boss or your lover or your friends or your parents to tell you you deserve it. I'm here to tell you, you have to learn how to give it to yourself every single fucking day, like your life depends upon it, because it does. And if you hear passion and conviction in my voice, it is because despite my success, despite the amount of stuff that I've muscled my way through, I have spent the majority of my life hating the person I saw in the mirror. And I think truthfully, most of us do. Mm -hmm. And that's not the only reason why you resist it. The other reason why you resist it is because we have all bought into this lie that unless you do something worthy of celebration, you don't deserve it yet. So for example, if that number on the scale isn't the right number, you don't deserve a high five because you haven't hit that goal yet. Unless you're the prettiest one in the room or you have the bank account or you're, you've gotten pregnant or you're married now or you're in love or you're this or you're that, you are standing there in judgment because you don't see a human being that needs those things. You see somebody that hasn't measured up yet. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna withhold that stuff. Now, I want you to think about something. If you've ever watched a marathon race or you've ever run one, something interesting happens. Nobody stands on the side of a marathon with their arms crossed and is like, yeah, let's see if you can do this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is like high-fiving the runners and cheering for them mm -hmm. every single step of the way. I remember when I ran the New York City Marathon in uh, 2001. I was a brand new mom. I had two kids under the age of three. I had no business running that race. I had barely trained. I did not get the memo that you should buy sneakers uh, longer than two, two weeks ahead of the race. Um, <laughs> but I had gotten like the lottery number and I was hell bent. It was like a bucket list thing. I'm gonna tell you, when my bladder started leaking mm -hmm. at mile seven and the blood blisters started mm -hmm. and I, the only thing that kept me going was the slap of a stranger's hand. Mm. Somebody else's belief made me believe that I could do it. And I'm here to tell you every single morning, I don't give a shit that it's cheesy. In fact, if you think it's cheesy, mm -hmm. I want you to fucking do it. Mm -hmm. Because you in particular, if you bring that level of resignation or arm crossing or eye rolling to this shit, you are going to be miserable. You may be an overachiever just like I am, 
And there's two things about being an overachiever. Number one, most of us that are overachievers focus on all the shit that's going wrong. Mm -hmm. So despite all the amazing things that you're doing, you literally focus on the one thing that's going wrong and you pound yourself into the ground. So you have no joy. You rob yourself of momentum and of the experience and happiness of small wins. The second thing about chasing achievement is that most of us that are driven by achievement, somewhere along the line as little kids, put two and two together. Oh, when I'm winning at sports or I'm getting good grades or I'm elected to the you know, class president or I'm the first chair of the flute section, people love me. And the problem with that association, achievement equals love, is you will always chase it. You will feel that you are unworthy and unlovable unless you're achieving. And you'll also struggle with jealousy because when anybody else is achieving, it makes you feel like you're no longer worthy of love mm. because they're beating you at something. Mm. And the fact is when you got to lasso that back in, you got to be able to stand in front of that mirror and you got to be able to look at yourself in the eye and no matter where you are or what you're going through, and particularly if it's a challenging moment, you've got to develop a habit of seeing yourself, celebrating yourself for showing up yet again. And when you start to celebrate these small little things that you're doing, I just got out of bed, high fucking five. Those little things start to add up and you start to realize over time, holy shit, I do get things done. I am a good person. I am worthy of being treated well because I'm treating myself well. Maybe, just maybe, I could do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the piece on the, the jealousy thing I think is super poignant because I'm someone that's motivated by achievement. Mm-hmm. And I was actually feeling jealous recently and I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, what is this? Because I am happy for people when they succeed. There's, it really, really... Like, I really do believe that, but I was like, why? How did you get there? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I was not happy for people when mm. they succeeded. I, I like wanted to kill my girlfriends when their kitchens were bigger than mine. <laughs> oh, my God. I was more. I'm dead serious. Like, let's yeah. be honest. Because I, I think that for it, I don't know if it's being in our space, but a lot of the work that my friends are doing is actually deeply in service to people. And it's not in my, I know it's not my gift. Like, so it's like, if there's someone that's doing something close to my space, sometimes I'll be like, damn, like it's kind of making me feel some type of way. But most of my friends are completely in their lane of gift and talent. So it's like, that's never going to be me. So it's easy to think that way, but there is that piece on the jealousy where it's like, if someone's doing close to what I'm doing or close to what I feel like are my gifts, it is like, wow, I'm not going to receive love anymore. Yeah. And I think that's part, I think a lot they're of women have it that. Away from yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're it becomes it very personal. Yes. yes. I feel like the brain looks for those moments, those people, those examples. Yes. That will prove that you are not worthy of it or that you can't do it as well as they can. It just makes it so personal and complicated. Yeah, yeah, well, your brain, you've programmed yeah. your brain and so have I to actually do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is a way to program your brain to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. So let me unpack jealousy because first of all, you're way more evolved than I am. 
I'm a jealous motherfucker. Like, this is like in my DNA. Like, like in my household growing up. Yeah. But, you know, my mom was envious of somebody. Yes. So like, mm, okay, that's what we do when somebody's winning. Yes. We have to stop about it. You know? <laughs> we beat ourselves up. That'll never be me. So, fuck her. Then we like, egged her house. That. Yeah, we know that her husband bought her that thing or she was born into that. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. You know, mm. so like you then get into this whole thing and whipping yourself into a frenzy and you're missing the point of jealousy. Mm-hmm. So remember in the very beginning, we talked about energy and we said that you are designed to be drawn toward the things that are meant for you. You are designed to grow and to expand. In fact, one of the biggest mandates for a human being is to grow. And I love to talk about this because for anybody that feels stuck, I want you to understand what being stuck actually is because Mm. 99% of people don't understand it. Mm. So being stuck is a signal from your body. We have fundamental needs, right? You have to drink water. And if you do not have enough water in your body, what is the signal, the feeling that your body sends you? Thirsty. Correct. Mm-hmm. Food, same thing. What do you feel if you need more food? Hungry. Feel hungry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you feel if you're missing connection and companionship? Lonely. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, God, literally, my first thought was mad. <laughs> I was like, I feel mad. <laughs> so you have these fundamental needs yes. as a human being, and your body has intelligent design. It is hardwired to send you a signal mm-hmm. when something that you need is mm-hmm. missing. And one of the most misunderstood signals that your body sends you is the feeling of being stuck. Being stuck is a signal that one of your highest needs is not being met, and that is the need for growth. Mm -hmm. So most people feel stuck in their lives, and then they're like, I need to break up. I need to quit this job. I need to like move somewhere. I need to do something. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Before you pull the ripcord on everything, stop and ask yourself, have I stopped growing? And As dumb as it sounds, simply signing up for a new class Mm -hmm. or pursuing something, going to an event, like doing something that energizes you, that re-engages your need for growth as a human being, going to therapy can be a way because you're learning about yourself. That is how you deal with being stuck. First, let me explain something about jealousy. It is impossible to be jealous of people who have something that you don't want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You have the most fabulous penthouse apartment. <laughs> I don't want to live in a penthouse apartment in New York right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am not jealous at all. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it is amazing. I'm super happy for you. I am not jealous. But if I walk into somebody's beach house mansion in this little town we go to in Rhode Island where I covet you know, owning a house or building a house someday, I am fucking jealous. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because I authentically desire it. Mm -hmm. And here's the mistake we make with jealousy. We put a lid on our desire. Our insecurity is what makes us say, I can't have that. Mm. Those people are succeeding. That's why I'm jealous. What I want you to start to do is anytime you feel jealous from now on, I want you to stop and go, oh, interesting. I'm jealous. What is that jealousy trying to tell me? It's a directional signal. 
So for example, when I look back on my life and you know I make jokes about how I was super jealous of my girlfriends who were able to renovate their houses and that you know could go on fancy vacations and of course I would um, really use that jealousy in a productive way because I'd always then get in the car after we leave their house and turn to my husband and be like, why can't you be successful? Like, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and the truth is my jealousy had nothing to do with the kitchen. Mm-hmm. My jealousy, when I really unpack it, and here's how you unpack it, you go, oh, well, what am I jealous of exactly? Mm-hmm. And what is it about that that is something that feels right for me? Mm-hmm. And what it was for me in those years that I was so jealous is I wasn't pursuing my ambition. Mm-hmm. I was aiming my ambition at my partner mm-hmm. and making it his job. And when I finally realized that all these things that I was jealous of were the benefits of somebody working really hard at something, I now had a bridge to cross the divide between where I was stewing in jealousy and pop the lid off my desire, which was to have financial freedom and abundance in my life. And I could get to work on making that happen. And when you don't follow your jealousy toward the things that you want, it will haunt your ass. Mm -hmm. You need to wake up, unpack it, flip it into inspiration, and start taking action in the direction of that thing. Yeah, that feeling of jealousy, I feel... And it's only been in the last few years that I've been able to kind of appreciate the fact that I'm even feeling that strongly about something in that way that we see as jealousy. But it's like, oh, I can feel that so strongly because I think that I can eventually create that for myself. So it's almost like for me, the feeling was focusing on this gap in between where I am now and where I want to be. But... Now it's been really powerful to be like, wait, like this feeling is so real. Yeah. You know, and it's just kind of a matter of showing up, doing the thing, and also just believing that we can. I think that's kind of the. That's where it's like inspiration, because it's like jealousy and inspiration are so related. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you're feeling jealous when you feel like it's not possible for you, but you want the thing. And then inspiration is like the actual belief that you can have it. This is why this corny high five habit. Is critical because if you stand in front of the mirror and criticize or ignore yourself, you will never feel capable of bridging that gap between where you are and where you want to go. If conversely, you stand in front of that mirror and you go, oh, well, I want to launch a podcast, even though there are 2 million of them. If you're criticizing yourself, you'll talk yourself out of it. If you stand before the mirror every single morning and you take a moment, and you just be with yourself. And you go, what's the game I'm playing today? Mm. How am I going to show up? There's research on that too, by the way. New research out of Harvard says that if you take a minute of intentional reflection and you think about what you're going to focus on today and how you're going to show up, it changes your level of focus, your productivity, and how you impact other people. Mm. So right after you brush your teeth, take that moment of intention. Because what I want you to do is I want you to take mindfulness, which you talk about all the time, Meditation trains you to not be reactive to thoughts. I'm training you how to reprogram the default settings in your mind. I am training you how to make that soundtrack become positive and encouraging. 
So raise your hand and let all of that programming in your mind, I believe you, I got this, we can do this. You will then leave your bathroom with the wind at your back instead of dragging a boulder of self-doubt with you. Mm. And you will be more likely to take that step. You are forging belief, partnership with yourself by doing this. And that's just the beginning. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. Flipping your mindset, catching jealousy, flipping it into inspiration. This is another way to have a high five attitude. It's another way to encourage yourself. I'm wondering how many people, when they think about like really supporting themselves, really believing in themselves, how much they're thinking about other people seeing them do that and how other people might be judging that. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking that because I feel like I've experienced that where I'm like, what if I just really own who I am and believe in my talents and what I want to do? How would other people feel about that? And I know that's like, I, f- I feel that contraction. That's definitely the small part of me. But I feel like a lot of people, especially with so- social media, feel that, feel those eyes, feel that judgment if they really were to believe in themselves. Is there any anything in your research that has shown that that is true? And how do we... Because I feel like more, more often than not, people want to support you. People who care about you want to support you. They want to be a part of something that you might want to bring to the world. Yeah. So how do we flip that? I, I sound like a broken record, but let me come at it this way. The most important relationship you have in life is the one you have with yourself. The relationship you have with yourself is the foundation of every relationship you will have in life. Mm-hmm. If you are insecure with yourself and your worth, you will be insecure in every relationship that you have. If you don't love yourself, you will not let other people love you. It is a fact. And so I know we all know we need to put ourselves first. We need to learn how to uh, you know, take care of ourselves and believe in ourselves. But the answer is how. There's only two ways. The first way is to do what I'm suggesting, which is free and super simple, and you can incorporate it into your morning routine. High five your reflection. Because what happens is you leverage a huge body of research called behavioral activation therapy. You often see it referred to as BAT for short. Behavioral activation therapy is a super fancy term that just means act like the person you want to become. Act like the person you want to become. And so if you want to become the kind of person that believes in themselves, I guarantee you, Oprah Winfrey has no problem high-fiving herself in the mirror. Tyler Perley, no problem high-fiving themselves in the mirror. Somebody that has rock-solid confidence Mm -hmm. sees a person that is worth betting on. Start acting like it. And over time, something interesting happens. Your brain is always paying attention. Mm -hmm. Always. And it filters the world and what it's saying to you in real time based on what is happening and what you say is important. And if you start acting like a person who loves themselves, I'm not talking arrogant, conceited, oh, look at me, you know, I'm like this. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you love yourself enough to not beat the shit out of yourself mentally. You love yourself enough to encourage yourself. You love yourself enough to be kind to yourself. They did this crazy study out of the UK that looked at everything you could do to improve your life, from seeing your friends more to eating kale to exercising to meditating. Do you know the number one behavior change? Number one. 
that has the biggest impact on your happiness, your fulfillment, your well-being. Number one behavior change. Meditation? Nope. Mm. I don't know. Being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. And it is the thing we practice the least. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and so I, I feel like the fastest way to do this, honestly, is to, number one, start practicing this. Do it for five days. That's all I'm asking. What do you got to lose? You know, you're beating yourself up. Is it working? Does it make you feel great? Is the tough love thing actually serving you? Do that and see how you feel in five days. I can tell you right now sitting here, I know that it's going to change your life because it changes you. It changes how you see you. We had a woman write to us about how um, she's had body dysmorphia for 20 years. Couldn't look herself in the mirror. Five days of doing this thing. She can now look at herself in the eye and grin because she said, I don't even see the body. I see the human being that's been ignored. Mm. We had a woman write to us uh, from a domestic violence shelter. She's got severe childhood trauma. She's just escaped this wildly abusive relationship. She's lost everything. High-fiving herself in the mirror. Just five days. This was her realization. I've lost everything and I've got a lot of work to do to heal and to rebuild my life. But what I know is that I have my own back. I still have myself. And that's the kind of thing that, like, I can't, I cannot underscore enough. I just got a text from my daughter who was like, mom, I, you know, I'm so happy for you. I can't wait to read your book. You know, I, 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 um, I, I, I've been doing the high five thing. And I said, great, how's it going? And I, I can show you the text. I mean, this is legit. She said something like, you know, it's kind of weird because even though I've done it two mornings in a row, I still feel like I'm not as pretty as the other girls. Mm. And I said, well, um, I want you to keep trying it. And she said, okay, but I also, like, what happens if I haven't done the thing that I said I would do? Like, for example, yesterday, I said I would go to the gym. And I said I would spend two hours, you know, practicing. She's a music student. And I didn't do those things. Should I still high-five myself in the mirror? And I said to her, absolutely, you should. Because what you're doing when you high-five yourself after you've let yourself down is you are recognizing that yesterday was hard. You're recognizing that you didn't do what you said you would do. And you still love and celebrate yourself for showing up again. And then I said, well, how does that feel? And she said, that feels amazing. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, tell me in your own words what you think this is gonna do. And she then said, I realize even in these two days how hard I am on myself. Mm -hmm. And what this is starting to teach me is that if I just celebrate the small wins and a small win mom is just waking up again, shaking it off and saying, I'm going to try a little better again today. Those little wins stack up. And then I start to feel like I'm having some big wins. And that then makes me feel confident enough to go for anything. Mm. I'm like, that's after two days with a 21-year-old insecure, resigned college student? Like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, and also keep in mind that I'm her mother, so she's mm. less likely to try this thing <laughs> and more likely to roll her eyes at me. The second way that you can really go to war against that lack in belief is to fight the loop of criticism and worry in your mind that leads to anxiety. 
And uh, one thing that really works for this, and you know, again, this is like giving your mind a high five. It's switching out of the negative attitude of anxiety and into a positive high five attitude of belief and encouragement. You know, I, I could talk for hours about anxiety because I struggled with it so profoundly. So I'll let you tell me where you want me to go with this. Yeah, I definitely want to talk on about anxiety, but there was also just in a lot of the stories, there's like the common thread where we hear about your husband and that relationship. And I feel like so much of our community are women that are very growth focused and they oftentimes struggle with anxiety, but they really struggle with like this burning desire to want more from life. And sometimes it does transmute into like a focus or an anger on their relationship. So for your relationship and your marriage, like what has that trajectory been like and how have you healed that? So now it's in support of your dreams, but rather than like being a place where you're projecting. Yeah, it's a fabulous question. So in context, I've been married for 25 years. We literally celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary like three weeks ago. And it's been up and down. And one of the gifts of my marriage is that Chris and I have found ourselves at different times in very different roles in our marriage. And so we have been uh, at times where we were without kids and we were both working and we were making about the same amount of money. And then we got into a mode where we had kids and our kids are now 22, 21, and 16 years old, uh, where he was the lead. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of the more traditional, I have a job, but your money's our money, my money's my play money kind of situation. And then we got into a, a, a point, which was 12 years ago, where my husband wanted to pursue a dream of going into the restaurant business. It had always been his dream. Now, look, I grew up working in restaurants. And I think one thing that will cure you of wanting to own one is working. In <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that's so true. so I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. <laughs> and uh, he and his best friend, to their credit, they wrote a business plan. They raised a little bit of money. They quit their corporate jobs. They opened a little pizza joint outside of Boston, Massachusetts. The first one was a home run. And so like complete fucking idiots, we cashed everything out. 401ks, the uh, 529 plans for the kids. We then took out a home equity line because that's free money. We leveraged credit cards. We shoved it all in to expand the restaurant business. And then 2008 hit. Wow. The housing crisis hit the United States. We found ourselves like everybody else upside down. The liens hit the house, 800 grand in debt, maxed out home equity line, maxed out credit cards. Um, I never, ever thought that at the age of 41 with three kids under the age of 10, I would not be able to buy groceries. Mm -hmm. Friends and family had invested and the restaurants were still open and they were doing everything that they could to try to make it work. And I didn't want anybody to know and this was absolutely the rock bottom moment of my life. Um, I was drinking myself into the ground. I would wake up every single morning. I, I became a person I didn't recognize. Mm -hmm. I would literally hit that snooze button four times because I could not face a day. My kids would miss the bus every morning. I was that harried mom that was racing to school, mm -hmm. kind of throwing them out of the car, forgot the lunches, forgot the forms. That was the beginning of the day hiding from my friends, pissed off at my husband. I would start drinking at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon to numb it all. I was unemployed. It was a fucking nightmare. And my problems felt so big that I just started circling the drain. Like, why bother? Like, I know how this ends. We lose the house. We get divorced. I hate you. Um, it's your fault. Because the truth is, it's so much easier to be angry 
than it is to be afraid. Mm. And so here's the thing that I want to really focus on. You know what to do. We all do. Knowing what to do is the easy part. I knew it wasn't Chris's fault. It's not like he started the business to Mm -hmm. fail. I know the restaurant business is a bitch and most restaurants fail. I, I, I knew I needed a job. I knew I needed to talk to my friends. I knew I needed to stop drinking. I knew I needed to be nicer to him and stop. I knew I needed to exercise. Like we all know what to do. It's the how. How do you make yourself do it when you feel scared or anxious or alone or beaten down or shame? Like all of it. That was my struggle every day. And, you know, I, I got out of that mess by sheer luck. And I think it was divine intervention because the story is so stupid. There's no other explanation. Literally, I was watching television one night. It was a Monday night outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And I was having a moment where I was having a pep talk with myself. I don't know if you've ever been that low where you're like, all right, that's it. Tomorrow morning, it's the new you, Mel Robbins. Mm -hmm. You've got to pull this shit together. Mm -hmm. You have got to look for a job. You've got to stop screaming at Chris. If you're going to drink, start at eight o'clock. Don't start at three. You know, like literally. <laughs> like drunk yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, I'm totally. So mm. totally drunk. I have the four Manhattans in at this point. <laughs> like, no, we got this. I got this. Yeah. I got this woman. And then tomorrow morning. No, literally, like tomorrow. You are going to get your ass out of hell. You're not going to hit that suit spot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, honest to goodness, this is what happened. A rocket ship launches across the television screen at the end of the commercial. And those four Manhattans gave me a crazy ass idea. I said, Mel, tomorrow morning, you are going to launch yourself out of bed like a rock. You are going to move so fast, woman. You're not going to be in that bed when that anxiety hits. You are going to be on your way. Now, that was it. That was the moment. Mm -hmm. I always say you're one decision away from a totally different life. Mm. One decision away. Mm -hmm. The next morning, Tuesday morning, this is when everything changed. The alarm goes off. And then this is something I want everyone to understand. There's a five-second window of hesitation where you start to think about what you need to do. And this five-second window of hesitation defines your whole life. It determines how much money you make, how happy you are, how healthy you are, whether or not your relationship is amazing. It's a moment of hesitation that's a habit where you start thinking about what you need to do. And I am here to give you the secret to all behavior change. If you move within that five-second moment of hesitation, you beat your subconscious brain and you take control. And I didn't know this at the time. I mean, come on. I had invented this while I was drunk on Manhattans. I now know the science. But here's how it works. So that alarm went off. And this is how I would test this. Set your alarm 30 minutes earlier tomorrow morning and do it 30 minutes earlier on purpose because when that alarm goes off, you're going to be pissed off and full of resistance. Just like when you stand in front of the mirror and you're about to high five yourself, you're going to feel resistance. The resistance to getting out of bed is the exact same resistance that you feel standing in front of the mirror. It's the exact same resistance you feel when you are speaking up at work or when you're drawing a boundary or when you're putting down the donut or where you're pushing yourself away from your computer to go meditate resistance anywhere is the same as resistance everywhere. So if you can learn how to beat it in one area of your life, you can do it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So the alarm goes off. And you'll notice in that moment when an alarm goes off, this moment of hesitation starts where you consider whether or not you feel like getting out of bed. 
And for me, I'd start thinking, I don't want to. I don't give a shit that I thought. Like, how's this going to help? It's cold. It's February. I don't want to. All you do in that moment when you feel the resistance kick in is count backwards, five, four, three, two, one. That's it. Do not count up, one, two, three, four, five. It doesn't work. You have to count backwards, mm. five, four, three, two, one. Because when you start counting backwards, it requires focus. Mm. That shuts off the subconscious brain and awakens your prefrontal car- cortex, the part of the brain you use when you take the SATs, mm. when you're present, when you're acting with confidence and courage. It gives you immediate control. Mm. By the time you get to one, you now have a fucking shot. Move. Mm. Move. That's how you change behavior. Mm. In habit research, it's called a starting ritual. It's a little brain hack. It's a form of metacognition that you can use as a tool to push yourself to do the things that scare you or that you're avoiding. Or five, four, three, two, one, pull yourself away from the rosé if you're trying to do Whole30. Pull yourself away, or 75 hard, which I, for some fucking reason, signed up for. I'm what is Day that? seven, which is why I'm so angry with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'll tell you that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing about the five-second rule. I didn't know it then. But I went on to use it in secret for three years. I then was invited to give a talk where I blurted out at the end of the talk because I have no idea how to end the talk. That talk that I'm talking about is a TEDx talk that now has 27 million views. If you watch it, you'll see me have a 21-minute long panic attack on the stage at the end of the... It was the first speech I'd ever given. Wow. I forget how to end it. It was about career change. It was not about the five-second rule. I blurt out, oh, by the way, there's this thing I do. I call it the five-second rule. You got to move within five seconds or your brain kills it. Thank you very much. I was so disassociated. (laughs) The anxiety was so bad. I've got this massive neck rash. And I even give out my email address. Like, that's how out of it. I'm obsessed with that. that is... Haven't cleaned up the inbox yet. Yeah, no, still. <laughs> yeah. Literally, a year goes by. You gave out your email address. And nothing happens. And then they put it online. And then another year goes by. I don't even know it's online. And it gains a million views. And people start to write to me. And I'm like, oh, were you in San Francisco? And they're like, no, it's online. I'm like, it's online? Wow. That's how the five-second rule got out by mistake. So when I say this is like God, the universe, whatever you believe or don't believe in, is like, okay, this crazy woman is ballsy enough to stand on a stage and tell people if you count backwards from five, it'll change your life and actually mean it. And I do. Mm-hmm. Pediatricians around the world now use it uh, to help mm. kids interrupt the thoughts that cause anxiety. Uh, veterans organizations are using it to help reframe programs associated with PTSD. We know of more than 111 people who have stopped an attempt at suicide by counting backwards and asking for help. This shit works. And I'm telling you that the obstacles that you're facing in your life are real. The shit that you've survived in your life, it's big Mm. and it's real. The trauma that you're still trying to heal is real. Five, four, three, two, one, and high-fiving yourself in the mirror will not change those things. It changes you. And that changes your ability to face those things, to take responsibility for what happens next and to heal and to go create a life that makes you happy. Mm. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? (laughs) What? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. 
Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing, you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, you, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things and while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends. And they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps, and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense. And she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high-potency, fast-acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Deloon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. Yeah, it's almost as if it suspends time for a moment. Even though you're counting and creating time, it's like it suspends the time so that you can be like, oh, I'm not that thought that I have or I am not the trauma that I experienced. It really does create that very brief moment of just like, oh, like shining the light on it so it doesn't control you anymore. And for people pleasing, like you were talking mm -hmm. about, like you see somebody left you on red or somebody's ghosting you, or you're like doing what we all do, rewriting the text, putting in an emoji to make sure that it's softened and like, mm -hmm. do they like me? You're like, okay, wait a minute. Five, four, three, two, one. What the fuck am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, sure. don't manage somebody's reaction. Manage your truth. Mm -hmm. Manage the tone in which you say it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mm. Like, if I have to choose between being liked and respected, mm -hmm. I will choose being respected all day long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the number one person that you want to have respect you is you. When you stop acting authentically, when you start editing yourself or couching yourself or silencing yourself, you are no longer respecting yourself. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the secret to all relationships. Your relationship with yourself is the foundation for every relationship you have. When you start to treat yourself with the respect and the celebration and the acknowledgement and the support that you need and you deserve, everything in your life changes because you change. Mm. It starts with you. Mm. 
That was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. That was powerful. Again, it's this, this idea that changing your life could be simple. Right. It's not, there are moments of challenge and, and it being hard, but like it's so hard for people to wrap their brain around. And I think your book, it's like humorous. Mm -hmm. There are stories. I feel like people truly, truly relate. And the simple becomes super applicable in so many different types of moments, whether it's between you and you, you and someone else. So yeah, I just think it's one of those like back pocket books that you Thank can you. leave on your you. nightstand and just kind of open and be like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. I remember. Well, it's yes. the same message over and over. Mm-hmm. It starts with you. Mm-hmm. And you know, Krista, I think you said earlier this this kind of uh, conflict that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, is it just that we're used to life being hard? Mm-hmm. I think we are. Yes. And it is a huge aha moment when you start to realize it is simple Mm -hmm. to change your life. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. And the reason why it's not easy is because you don't have a habit of encouraging yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one thing that I didn't answer that I want to go back to is the issue you asked about the relationship with my husband. Mm -hmm. So the fact of the matter is when the restaurant business you know, ultimately it failed because they did they did not return the investment that they wanted to. And it also broke my husband. Mm. When he left that restaurant business in 2014, he was a shell mm. of himself. Aww. And what's interesting is that two people can go through the exact same situation and have a totally different experience. So Chris's business partner, who's one of our best friends, is one of the most optimistic and resilient people that I know. His whole read on the experience of seven years and opening these restaurants and working their tails off and doing everything that they could was, you know, we did an amazing job. We got six units open. We employed all these people. We had an incredible product. We sold them off. We didn't return the investment that we wanted to, but we did something of value. Chris, my husband, could not do that. Mm -hmm. Jonathan looked at the business failure and was able to separate it from himself. Mm. Chris said the business failed, I failed. Mm. And he married what happened to his identity. And I talk a lot about this filter in your brain in this book. I spend three chapters trying to teach you that there's a filter in your brain that can either fuck you up or free you. And for my husband, the reticular activity system, it's the RAS for short, it's like a hairnet on your brain that decides what information comes in, what information doesn't come in. For my husband, it fucked him Mm -hmm. because for years, this is only recently that he is coming out of what I believe is a 10-year depression Mm -hmm. that has been driven by a story, I am a failure. For men, if we want to talk about just sort of the overall societal traditional gender, so I'm just going to go heterosexual here. For men in society, the messaging is very clear. To be a good man, you have to be tough and you have to make a lot of money. That's what it means to be successful. For women, it's about being nice and being thin and being likable. We all get the same fucking pressure to not be ourselves, but it comes at us in different ways. You know, if you're gay or trans, it might be that, you know, oh, well, you got to be straight. Like we all get this messaging that pressures us. And so Chris profoundly struggled 
with feeling like a failure. It's what he saw everywhere. And what's really interesting is the reason why he went into the restaurant business is because his dad had had a job that had him travel all the time. He was never around. He was not present for any of Chris's high school, middle school, any of it. And so Chris thought, hey, if I have a restaurant in our local area, I could actually be present for our kids. I might be able to coach a game, like like all this could happen. So as he comes out of the restaurant business, crashing and burning, holding on for dear life, he gets sober, he becomes a, he gets into yoga and deeply into meditation. I think he starts to become more of who he is. Meanwhile, this like TEDx talk is fucking taken off. And I'm like, oh my God, people are paying me to speak. We can pay our mortgage. Mm-hmm. Like we still have $800,000 in debt, you guys. Wow. This was just seven years ago. Wow. And my husband's now like literally in the corner feeling like a failure, getting sober. And I'm like, bitch, I got to get on a plane. Like I can pay the mortgage. Like we're going. And so I am burning the candle at both ends. And all Chris can see is all of this is not evidence that, wow, maybe all this is happening for a reason. Maybe all of this struggle is, is setting us into the right places, which is what my story became. Wow, you're an amazing dad. You're incredible as what I call the first call parent, the one that the school calls first. Mm. You are way more patient. I would literally, I literally want to strangle my teenagers. Like you're sitting there having a conversation <laughs> with them about this shit. <laughs> like, I, like unbelievable. You're here. Do you know what a gift it is for mm-hmm. our two daughters to have had their father mm-hmm. present and to see their mom off in the world? Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Un- and for our son to see their dad as a part, like this is my story. My story is this is the world's greatest gift. Mm-hmm. Chris's story is this. I'm in a pickup line at the elementary school at three o'clock. I'm a failure. Mm. My wife is running herself into the ground trying to pay off the debt that I caused. I'm a failure. I'm standing here coaching my kid's soccer team Every other dad is on a cell phone call pacing in the stands. That should be me. I'm a failure. When you start to have a story about yourself that doesn't serve you, you better get your ass in front of that mirror and start looking at yourself and raising your hand in defiance of that story. Mm. And so it has taken a long time because Chris has so internalized that failure message that it, you know, it, it, it's led to the greatest breakthrough, I think, in our marriage and for me personally, which is you can't change anybody. You can make somebody a cup of coffee. You can make them dinner. You can make them a beautiful gift You can make them have an orgasm. You cannot make them happy. You cannot make them love themselves. You cannot make them feel a sense of self-worth. That's an inside job. And they can't do that for you either. And I think as women, we have been trained to look outside ourselves for our worth. I got to be a good daughter. I got to be a good friend. I got to be you know, the, the good colleague. I got to be a good wife. I got to, you know, do all this stuff for other people. And when other people like me and other people approve me, then I have value. 
know, the greatest, I think, lesson in my life is that you have to provide those things for yourself. You have to look yourself in the mirror and you have to stop saying, maybe some relationship will make me happy. You've got to stop outsourcing it. You have to be able to figure out how to look yourself in the mirror and say, I am happy spending my life with you. And if you're not happy doing the work to figure out how to become happy, and it begins with being kind to yourself. It really does. Look, you didn't try to screw up your life. You didn't mean to do all that shit that you did when you were just trying to survive. There's some awful shit in my past that I've done. And the fact is, I can stand here now at the age of 53 and say, I wouldn't go back and tell my younger self anything because I wouldn't change anything, even the shit I regret, because it's made me who I am. And sometimes, you know, I think that it's the most painful moments of your life. That's when you build confidence and courage and resilience. It's, it's like steel. It's forged in fire. Mm. You don't build that shit when you're winning. Mm-hmm. Winning feels mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But your strength comes from surviving stuff. Mm-hmm and for forgiving yourself, and for flipping it into a lesson. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the truth is, I think that it's taken seven years Mm -hmm. of very hard work and of therapy and of fighting against what society says and in finding meaning. So my husband literally has turned all this into meaning. He runs an incredible, like, men's retreat called Soul Degree. Mm. He takes guys, he's huge into Knowles and outdoor leadership. Oh, I love, I did Knowles. Yeah, this is what he should be doing. You know, it's not like the the dickhead that's going to go into private equity. Not that all private equity people are dickheads, (laughs) but you know what I mean. Like he's not, like he's not that dude. He's not motivated by money. This dude would live in a yurt, for Mm -hmm. God's sake. If I want to live in a nice house, I'm going to have to pay for it because he's not motivated by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you, again, back to the original thing, I think he woke up every day of his life until recently and would not high five what he was doing Mm. because it wasn't aligned with his true spirit Mm -hmm. and calling, which is to be of service. It's to sit quietly in meditation. It's to get men and boys to open up Mm. about what they're truly feeling and thinking. It's to be, I mean, for God's sakes, he's in the middle of like training to like become a death doula. He now wants to people who are dying. Mm. Wow. And how cool is that? Mm-hmm. He wants to get into doing guided psychedelic therapies for wow. people because we've done it for our own trauma and it's been wildly amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that through the pain, you find yourself, mm-hmm. but you've got to listen to it. You know, I, I, I personally feel there's a lot of pain that's inflicted on all of us. Nobody gets to adulthood without experiencing trauma, mm-hmm. period. And all the shit that was done to you, you're not responsible for that stuff. But you have a responsibility to yourself to stand now in the present moment and decide what happens next, Mm. to heal, to become happy. And I think all the shit that you did, because we all done stuff that we regret. And I think that it's in direct relation to how stubborn you are to Mm. learning the lessons. Mm -hmm. Like I find that when life hits me with a sledgehammer, uh, it was trying to wake me up for years. Mm-hmm. I was just too fucking dumb to yep. wake up and pay attention. Oh, don't surround yourself with people that are really edgy, Mel, and mm-hmm. volatile and fun mm-hmm. in that kind of scary way because once you get connected to them, they strike back at you. 
You know, all those people that gossip about people when they leave the room and you think it's funny because they're really snarky and hilarious mm, and they're super yes. popular. Guess what happens when you leave? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad you you shared that story about your husband and I know you shared in the book, but I just feel I feel like we're living that time on earth where like not only women are being liberated, but men are being liberated too. Yes. You know, I feel I really feel for men who feel like they really have to be they have to be the providers. They have to build their kingdom before they, you know, settle down with whoever. It's like ah, like what is that part of you that really your soul, like where, where is that speaking in your, yes. in your everyday? So for yes. your husband to go through that rock bottom, you know, as hard as it was, like his ability to eventually allow himself to feel the pain. I feel like we resist pain so much. Well, especially men. Mm-hmm. Yes. And here's the difference like, between most men traditionally and women is they do not have the friend group or the yes. emotional network 100%. that we do. We talk to our yes. mothers, we talk to our girlfriends. We, and, and guys isolate themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually one of the problems that Chris yeah. is trying to solve with Soul Degree is creating a space for men to come together and actually talk about what they're experiencing in life. Mm-hmm. And I think women have been feeling this forever. We just have been talking about mm-hmm. it. And you know, the other thing to note is that it's so important for women to embrace their ambition, mm-hmm. to recognize the fact that you are responsible for your happiness. Mm -hmm. You are responsible for the shit you want to buy. You are responsible for the things you want to create. You are responsible for the love that you want to feel. Because if you look at the trends, it's now 60% of colleges are women, Mm -hmm. 40% men. The majority of women are the primary uh, breadwinners of their household. Wow. Um, I don't know if I've got that stat right. Like 40% of women are the primary breadwinners in their household. The majority of women are now working. So we've got an incredible shift happening, which also means women need to shift how they view themselves and how they support Mm -hmm. themselves. Completely agree. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think a lot of... Yeah, and I'm just glad we bring in that compassion piece because I feel so much compassion for men. You know, we have so much unlearning we have to do coming from so many different angles, but the support that we have and the tools that we have and how society accepts us asking for help and asking for tools and resources is just so much greater. So it often takes men a lot longer to do the unlearning. And yeah. And well, yeah. and I think it starts with our boys. Yeah. So having a 16-year-old son who is not the big jock mm-hmm. uh, and having a hu- husband who is a big jock Mm-hmm. It was interesting to watch mm-hmm. the how you have to shift your parenting when you have the kid who loves theater and the kid who's a gamer. And that's not something that you do. Mm-hmm. And watching our son get bullied, what's mm-hmm. interesting about that, as painful as it was, I think it's why he's so fucking kind mm-hmm. and why he's such an awesome person with a high EQ, not to mention the fact that he's got two older sisters. I mean, mm-hmm. that'll do a number Yes. Of you know, when everybody's talking tampons and menstruating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I always say, like, date a guy and, with a sister. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, they're able to ride the emotion wave too. Yeah. Or you're just like going through it. They're like, I've seen this before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stand here in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. This ride yeah. out. Yeah. Crying in a minute. 100%. <laughs> yes. Exactly. This oh, is like man. a sign she's alive. It's like, <laughs> I always say that. I'm like, date um, a sibling, but... Uh, this has just been so incredible, like better than I could have ever expected. I'm so grateful that you came. I feel so inspired. I feel like it's helpful for our audience too because it connects a lot of dots of 
topics and themes that we talk about, which yes. is within relationship, within our subconscious, within like self-love, reprogramming, all of that. So I'm just, I'm really excited for everyone to get into the book and for us to be able, able to do um, the high five habit together, I think will be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's this five day challenge that I know that you're going to send everybody a mm-hmm. link to called the high five challenge. Mm-hmm. And regardless of when you hear this, the challenge is available to you. Mm-hmm. And it is a five-day free thing. You're going to be with millions of people around the world, no joke. And it's hosted on this killer app called Growth Day, which you get for free as you're doing the challenge. And what it gives you is the tools, the coaching, and more importantly, the community mm-hmm. that you need in order to implement these small habits of empowerment, of support, of self-love, and celebration into your daily life. Just give it five days. I know you're going to send a link mm-hmm. to the challenge. There's one more thing I wanted, I wanted to just say, because I think based on some of the questions you've asked me, your audience will mm-hmm. really want to hear this. Yes. So one of the big complaints that my audience often says or struggles is, okay, I'm starting to change. I'm starting to have this mm-hmm. awakening. Why aren't these people that I love supporting me? Why are they trashing me about meditation? Why are they sabotaging the things? That, why aren't they changing? Mm-hmm. So I want to tell you a quick story. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening in terms of their resistance, it doesn't mean they don't love you and support you. Your change is confronting to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a story where, it, where this was on the other foot and I was confronted by something Chris was mm-hmm. doing. So Chris goes through these periods where he stops drinking. And I remember recently, um, he had decided he was just going to stop drinking for a while. And I love to pour a glass of wine or have a cocktail while I'm cooking dinner. It's just my evening ritual. Uh, don't judge me. And see, there's Never. my people pleasing. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I literally go to pour my glass of wine. And I notice I'm self-conscious. Because mm-hmm. mm. Chris is drinking water. And so I do what everybody in your life is doing to you. I'm an asshole. I'm like, hey, you want to have a glass of wine with me? How about having just a beer? Like I start pressuring him to not do the change he said he was going to do. And he and I get into this conversation about why I'm now saying, can't you have a glass of wine? Why'd you have to stop drinking? I feel really self-conscious now that I'm pouring a glass of wine. And he turned to me and he said, Mel, first of all, nobody gives a shit what's in your cup but you. Mm-hmm. And secondly, all that's <laughs> happening is my decision to stop drinking is questioning your decision to keep drinking. This has nothing to do mm-hmm. with me mm-hmm. and everything to do with something that's already going on inside of you. And so I have been on the other side of this. You know, I think I'm the most supportive person on the planet. Not true, apparently, you know, with this example. And so just understand that any change you make, whether it's a change in your exercise routine, your drinking, your diet, whether you're going to quit your job and go for this like incredible business thing, whether you're going to move away because you just don't want to live where you live in even more, even though it's close to your family, you focus on you and understand that any backlash that you're getting is because you're stirring the pot and somebody's resistance is coming up. Mm. And it's way better to question you than it is to stand in front of a mirror and question yourself. 
that is a topic we did want to talk about with you because it is something that when we see our community awakening or just going through their experience of prioritizing themselves and starting to love themselves, a lot of that means coming out of the practices and normal rituals and routines that you did before. You know, for me, being in the corporate world, that was stopping to drink, you know, and then it just just is confronting for people and they're not really realizing exactly what's happening. So I think that was just... That was incredible. And it really, and it highlights your people-pleasing tendencies yes. when you're in those moments. I'm definitely someone that used to people-please a lot. And so when I stand by me and I do what I know is best for me and I feel that resistance, I really have to focus on... root. It's like I'm a tree. I'm like, I am not... I'm not waving this way or this way. Um, And I notice how it's only just a period of time where those few people feel uncomfortable. Mm, 90 seconds of discomfort. Can I see the book? I want to tell you what chapter you need to go Mm -hmm. to. Yes. So there's something in here that will help you with people pleasing. And it sounds really weird because it's also super helpful for trauma. Mm. There's this thing I call high-fiving your heart. Mm. Wow. Where you put your hands like in the center of your chest. I got big mitts, so it you know hits mm. my hands. Mm-hmm. And this will stimulate your vagus nerve. Mm. And the vagus nerves run from your seat to the top of your head. You talk about it on this show. It switches, it's the on-off switch between sympathetic and parasympathetic mm. nervous system. Anytime your nervous system is on edge, put your hands right here in the center of your chest, take a deep breath, and then say, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. Now, you might need to say it 57 times. Mm. But what happens is the hands on the heart stimulates the vagus nerve. Saying those three words are true, if you can say them. And it brings you back into your body. And when you practice this, I do this before I get out of bed Mm. as a way to settle my nervous system and start my day with my nervous system intact and calm. And the reason why I do that is not only because I don't want to feel anxious, but there's also research we cite in this book about how one of the reasons why it's hard to change behavior is because if you have a dysregulated nervous system where you constantly feel an edge, where you feel like the shoe's about to drop, it's impossible for your prefrontal cortex to actually be present or learn new behavior. Mm. So if you're trapped in these self-sabotaging loops, start with your nervous system because then your brain is equipped to receive all these new tools. Mm. And so you should add that into your morning where, you know, get out of bed or lay in bed and say, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved until you feel grounded in your body. Then get up, then go to the mirror, brush your teeth, put the toothbrush down, set an intention, and then high five yourself into your day. Mm. And when you start to practice it, just like you said, I envision becoming a tree. You can actually, even in moments around other people, in, feel and envision the pressure against the vagus nerve right there mm. and repeating those in your mind. And you'll be surprised at how quickly it brings you back into your body, how it settles your nervous system and how you become present and able to go, um, you know, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work for me to talk about my weight or my relationship. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to do that, mom, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. And then let her have her fucking hissy fit. Mm-hmm. And then just be like, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. Mm-hmm. It's about her, not about me. Nobody taught her how to do this. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm going to be the one that stops this shit. My yeah. Mm-hmm. For yeah. her and for me. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Are you intuiting? 
Are you intuiting? In my life? <laughs> I know. She is, yeah, literally. Well, thank you. This thank is you. such this a is gift. Amazing. Such a yeah. gift. So amazing. Thank thank such you. a pro. I know. Dang. Autism <laughs> really fuck things up. Like, yeah, you know, like literally, like this is not to, like mm. I don't read this in a book first. You I have, have to, to rescue myself mm-hmm. and then go, how do I explain this? And yeah. I get somebody like, how do I get somebody to do something that simple or cheesy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to come with the science. I got to hit you over the head 55 different ways. Mm-hmm. I know this shit saves people's lives. Mm-hmm. I actually got an email this morning mm-hmm. from a woman named Julie mm-hmm. saying she was considering ending it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like why even bother? Life has been so hard. Mm-hmm. And it was literally the hands to the heart that I just, free tool. Mm. that brought her back into the moment mm. and out of that despair mm. that I think we can all succumb to sometimes mm. in yeah. terms of just how negative we get in our mind. And so I have conviction because I'm not only here with my experience, but I am literally here with the millions of people that have followed me mm. for years and their stories and the science. And that's why I know this works and why you need to do it. Mm. powerful thank you you're welcome thank you thank you thank you so much Mel Mel Robbins on Instagram melrobbins.com the book is The High Five Habit and it is out on the 28th again you can check our show notes you can check our social media and we will be doing the High Five Challenge together Yes, so excited. And again, for our podcasters out there who want to grow and monetize, we have our podcast accelerator coming at you. It is a small group intensive. So please join us. You can go to almost30.com to learn more. And finally, thank you to our sponsors for this episode. We appreciate you. All sponsor information and discount codes are in our show notes and on our website. Thank you to Drops, Thrive Market, Base, and Monday.com and Flex. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you on the next one. We'll see you soon.